Hello friends! This is People Are Interesting with Jan K. In each episode of this show, unique individuals share stories that take us on a ride across ideas and places. Featuring crocodile attacks in Indonesia, escaping war-torn Lebanon, and shark protection schemes in Mauritania. This podcast takes you where you've never been before. Enjoy and thank you for joining the club. How old were you when you first started surfing? Um, I think I was 15 and to be honest, it was a bit of like, like growing up on the beach, we were always looking for activities to do, whether it was like, you know, building sandcastles mm. or snorkeling and then we got a canoe and we started getting into that. And then it was like, hey, what about surfing? Mm. So then, um, we all we had a group of three friends it was me my best friend and then another guy and um, we all at the same time decided like let's try surfing and our birthdays are all around the same time and our parents all gave us a surfboard for our 15th birthday (laughs) i love that okay guys you know this is your new activity and um that's literally what it was we would take the uh, the boards and go to the west coast what kind of a board would you would you get? Was, what was your first board? It was the same one I still kind of have. It's like one of those foam boards, right? It's like mm-hmm. long, it's very easy. It's one of those beginner boards. Perfect. And, um, we never did any lessons. We literally just went into the ocean because we thought, like, you know, we're so comfortable in the ocean. Um, mm-hmm. We will figure it out. It wasn't like anything scary to us at the time, which is quite interesting because i think for a lot of people like surfing is like a huge challenge you know and there's so many factors to take into consideration Mm -hmm. and then for us it was just like such a normal thing like we're in the ocean again but we're just gonna we have a different tool to play with like it's right which was (laughs) (laughs) yeah we just like messed around the whole summer i don't think any of us ever really uh, like picked up any technique like none of us were aware of what we were doing but um it was fun <laughs> that's interesting so because it's quite different to my first experiences with surfing where i just took a few lessons and you know understood the let's say the basics of the technique how to stand up on the board and and you know the, the basics of the basics how long did it take you to catch your first wave um to be honest, like I said, we were just like messing around. And if you look back um, at the photos, like you definitely do see us stand up. And I think that's also like a thing when you're young and you're confident, like things just like flow so much better because mm-hmm. you don't have that fear factor that stops you from like making those like little mistakes as in like deciding to not pop up on the wave because it's a bit too big. You just do it and then it happens and it's like good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after once, um, I wanted to get a bit better at surfing, you know, get mm-hmm. to a smaller board and stuff. I started realizing like my technique was absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started doing, you know, more lessons. And, mm-hmm. um, then they were like, yeah, you know, you're so messy. You're popping up 
with both your left and your right foot interchangeably like mm -hmm. what, oh like, yeah <laughs> I did not have like a set way of popping up and it drove my teachers like I had a few different ones and it drove them crazy I remember especially the one in the Philippines he's like what are you doing like just choose one leg because then we can focus on making it better right uh, so yeah that's definitely the bad thing of like just starting randomly mm. so it, can i ask you do you snowboard as well no i don't i always skied um oh i, I see yeah but no yeah because because in snowboarding kind of like in surfing you have a leading leg, right? The one that is standing on the front of the board. So I, I thought that maybe, you know, because it's 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 very interesting that you're so in a way, you know, versatile that you would do one like because you know usually one person will have one side of their body will be better coordinated than the other one, right? But for you, it wasn't yeah. an issue. No, I don't, but the thing is, I wasn't even aware that I was doing it. And only once someone was like actually observing me catch waves and was trying to help me with my technique that he was so puzzled. Like, how are you just like interchanging on the waves? And mm. it wasn't even that much on the wave. It was literally just whatever my brain decided to do. <laughs> like, yeah. What seemed more reasonable, but would it, would it, sorry. <laughs> Go yeah. on. No, 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 that was it. And in terms of your first spots, surfing spots, where would you go? Um, the West Coast. Um, so, Praia do Amado. Mm -hmm. um, that has always been like our go-to surf spot. Um, and yeah, even now it's like every time you go there, you get like very excited because you just like have so many cool memories there. Mm. And this beach can either be like very very easy beginner waves and you just like mess around and sometimes you can be like very uh wild and a lot of current and you mm -hmm. never really know what you're in for so when you drive up i used to always get a bit nervous because i was like oh god what kind of day is it gonna be like mm -hmm. so you would go to the west coast because my understanding of and maybe you can actually you know explain it way better than me in Algarve, there isn't around Faro, let's say, there really isn't surfing during the summer, right? No, absolutely not. And the same in, you know, Algarve and stuff. It's very rare. Um, recently, actually, like after, like in the late summer, so let's say September, October, the weather was still amazing in Portugal. And um, we used to go surfing close like the closest beach to my house which is literally like less than 10 minutes away and there were waves and that was so cool because then you're the only people in the water there you're like the local mm. surfers mm. whereas like those bigger surf spots it's quite crowded because yeah Portugal yeah. is like a surf hub in Europe so are the conditions any different between let's say winter because my understanding is that around november in algarve the swell moves in southward and you get better waves in algarve is that right yeah yeah you do it gets like it can get quite like choppy the waves and quite rough mm -hmm. and it's the water also gets like so much colder so all of those factors and the currents are very strong 
Mm -hmm. Like that really like plays into, you know, you have to be a good surfer to surf those conditions. And are, are there, cause in Faro it's a, it's a beach break. Are there any, any, yeah. is, is it the same in all Portugal? yeah mostly it's like really rare for it not to be a beach break uh, you have this one uh spot also on the west coast and it's kind of it, it looks a bit like a port like a you know the boats mm -hmm. come in and then you jump from the port and you go into the water and then you paddle out and mm -hmm. there's a break there oh. um, but it still like ends up going to land mm -hmm. so technically it is way a beach break but um yeah what because you surfed on beach breaks and on it's what is it called the the reef break the point break yeah the reef break yeah. the reef break right yeah, point break it's just like the the point where the wave breaks oh perfect okay yeah. so what how how were your experiences of doing the beach break and reef break compare what's what's different because i only tried beach break yeah so the thing with reef um is that you really really have to be careful because yeah the reef is extremely sharp and um a lot mm. of the spots that i served it was reef break but it was also very shallow mm. and you know when you're on the board and you catch your wave like it's just normal that when you fall off you know you fall backwards or you dive forwards and that's like a huge no-no because you can literally like if you dive forwards you could potentially hit the reef and yeah it would completely like mess you up um I, that place i was in the philippines there were so many reef breaks and like most of the local people had massive scars like either on their back or their face or like i think everyone had some reef scar And um, I remember the first time I served a reef break, obviously they told me, they were like, be careful of that. But I didn't stand the seriousness of it. And um, I caught a wave. I remember I was standing and I was so excited that I, you know, managed to catch the wave. Then when I, you know, kind of like the wave lost momentum, I kind of decided to like dive into the water. Like I thought, oh, it's going to be super smooth. And Whoops. I get up and like, all the surfers were screaming at me and I was like, what the fuck? Sorry, what, mm -hmm. what did I do? And um, they were, then they all told me like, you cannot do that. That, that. that could literally like hurt, like you could hurt yourself so badly because they're very sharp and it's mm -hmm. shallow. And, and when you say shallow, what do you mean by shallow? As in like from the second you go into the water and where the reef is, like it's mm -hmm. not a difference. So, you know, there's a very Would that be a meter, half a meter, 20 centimeters, two meters? I don't know. I think it really depended on where you went and like the tide and everything. But um, yeah, it, it, it was really easy to get very hurt. And also when you get off and, you know, you think like, let's say you have your board on top of the water and you, you know, that normal thing you do, which is like, you know, you kick off in the water and you try and get up on your board. Mm -hmm. um, if there's reef under you and you kick the reef, like I had so many cuts on my feet mm -hmm. and um, it's so sharp. It like really slices your skin and Oof. it's just like, yeah, you don't feel it when you're in the water. because you know, the adrenaline of the waves and all of that, but then once, once you're out and you look at your feet, you're full of cuts 
and um they're really cool at like a beginner's um <laughs> injury because you're just not used to the reef and being careful and um yeah it's really annoying in those tropical places because the the cuts never really heal mm -hmm. and then you're out um all day and then they stay open and they get infected and it's not very nice yeah actually my girlfriend told me that she was in Vietnam and she scratched her knee and she ended up because it wasn't healing at all. She had to take antibiotic. Yeah, exactly. It's like super dangerous because it's very humid and hot. And yeah. So is it because of, of the weather, the temperature or the, the bacteria there just because you're not from there, you're not used to it at all? I think it's probably a combination, um, but it's definitely hard for your uh, cuts to close if you're either constantly in the water or you're in a climate where it's super humid. Mm -hmm. uh, it's that dryness to like close. Um, and then on top of that, yeah, there's probably like a lot of bacteria and stuff out there that you're not used to. So there's a high chance of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I'm thinking I remember when we talked about I had this moment when I was absolutely fascinated by saltwater crocodiles. Maybe you remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where, where were you where this surfing guide was telling you that the, the, a, a croc snatched some some village villager like last yeah. week or something like that? Yeah, it was in Sri Lanka. And um, what happens in Sri Lanka, there's a lot of like, yeah, I guess I'm not sure what the technical term for it is, but you've got like a river and it goes into the ocean. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of surf breaks around those spots or you have to, you know, paddle over them in order to get to a break. Mm -hmm. And what would happen is that like the crocodiles would sometimes end up in that spot. Mm -hmm. and um yeah we were paddling to go to a break and um she was always like very like you know um uh, not serious about anything you know and all of a sudden we're paddling she screams over to us she's like stop stop don't move and we're all just like okay well, what's Oof. going on you know and some people kept paddling they're like whatever and she's like no 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 and then we're all just like frozen and she like paddles forward and then like goes to check and then paddles back to us. She's like, okay, guys, try and paddle as fast as you can, but without any sudden movements. Mm. We're just like, what the fuck is going on? And then uh, she told us that like a week before that, um, a surfer had been attacked because there was a crocodile in a spot. And uh, yeah, they managed to take the crocodile out and it was like massive. Oh, I only yeah. want to say like one thing. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so crazy. <laughs> you know, sometimes in those moments, it's kind of surreal to you, especially because I don't know. I never really like it hasn't ever crossed my mind. Crocodiles are a danger when you're surfing. Mm -hmm. So even when you get the first warning, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, shit. But like, yeah, no, it's not really there. Whereas, like, for example, you know, sharks is something that's so fed into your mind from, like, movies and just, like, you know, I think it's definitely, like, a constant fear uh, in the water 
especially when like it's kind of like getting darker and stuff it's something you think about so if someone were to say hey there's a shark like obviously major panic but if someone was like hey a crocodile i think it wouldn't like make that instant connection right but it's weird because crocodiles are actually meaner than sharks i would say yeah they're completely like they're out to actually like eat you right yeah they also like uh drown their prey first and they Mm. keep water and there's like no way of like getting out of that whereas exactly a shark (laughs) i don't think they're that out there to eat you it's usually like yes they're either confused they bite and let go and yeah you you if you're lucky you lose a limb but yeah they would not drag you in the water and like yeah yeah well the thing i have basically two points to add the one on crocodiles and the other one on sharks so the crocodiles i don't know if you've seen this movie crocodile dundee have you seen it Uh, anyway it's this it's this australian crocodile hunter and he's explaining to this to this girl how and i'm guessing he's trying to impress her in the movie he's telling her how the crocodiles prey on their victims so he's saying that exactly they will drag you under the water and tumble you along the you know the the riverbed or the on you know in in the mud and then they will like basically store you somewhere there for later yeah 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 that's what i mean mean, you know i i I would say that this guy is not as legit as sir david attenborough but (laughs) but, yeah but oh my god no yeah and the other thing that i find in a way it's terrifying is uh, there is this you know famous beach in australia what is it called bon what do you know do you know it bon yeah exactly that one where they they had shark nets since the 30s yeah exactly oof yeah but it yeah because it's so unfortunate because the surfer when you're paddling and just lying on the board you basically look like a seal apparently to the to the shark he can't tell any difference yeah and especially if you're wearing like a black wetsuit um the rubbery substance yeah 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 exactly what what is what because you've obviously served in a a few locations around the world right what is the surfing culture different in in every place you would go to or are there some over overarching themes or is it a bit of both i'm really curious about that yeah i think like um usually in surfer spots like there's that instant like chillness right Mm. most people are very laid back and Mm -hmm. that's definitely like a common theme it's like people that are very like easygoing in the sense that you know they just like appreciate the the more simple things like whereas other people might be going crazy about jobs making money these people are really out there to enjoy it an activity in nature and they also tend to like these spots tend to have people that just like really respect nature in that way and um you know surf spots in itself aren't always like that luxurious it's all very like simple um something also that's not that nice but also happens is now like 
with traveling and stuff, people go to different surf spots, right? And you could get, let's say, like really good surfers from God knows where, like let's say Australia, and they decide to go to the Philippines and, you know, they come there and they're like, yeah, this is the ocean. So we're just going to surf as if, you know, we surf the way we do at home. And that tends to cause a lot of tension with the local people because they're like, hey, listen, this is our, you know, beach break or brief point. And um, you can't just come here and do whatever you want. So then you do sometimes see the tensions in the water where it gets like mm -hmm. quite, you know, they're very protective um, over their um, waves. So that's also like a common theme, I think, with most surf spots. I have actually this is this is something that I find quite interesting why do you think the locals because you won't for example have in ski resorts like locals from the area will be like this is our slope you know what are you guys doing here but it's definitely a thing with surfing yeah I think like obviously on we're surfing you know whenever a wave comes like it's really hard for two free people to surf the same wave and get the same experience out of it. Whereas like on a mountain, like you definitely can just like go a bit more to the left, a bit more to the right. And it's like semi same experience. So like with surfing, like priority on the wave is very important. And you know, you've got your surf etiquette and mm -hmm. you, know, you can't just like drop in on someone. And there's like a, you know, like a, if you really know the rules of the water, which sometimes is a little confusing, but I had this one really cool surf instructor and she's like, okay, yeah, you know, it's great to know all the techniques about um, what you do when you're on the board, but it's also really important to like, you know, know the surf etiquette and also to read the ocean, which I think is like the hardest part of surfing. And she tried to explain to us a bit, like, you know, if you're coming to a beach uh, to a point uh where it's different waves and you have never been there before and they're local people, like they definitely have priority over you because, you know, you can't just come there and start taking their waves. Like mm -hmm. it's also, you have to be a bit respectful and, you know, sometimes it's actually nice when you come up to them and you're like, hey, you know, do you have any tips? Like where's the current coming from? Or, you know, try and make a conversation. And yeah so much better than just to come there and act like you know the ocean like they know the ocean and then just take the waves as they come what's the difference in terms of you know the waves between different surfing spots how how the waves can can differ from from one another so for example in sri lanka um the waves were quite big but they weren't very powerful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'd see this massive wave come and she would be like, just paddle, just paddle, just do it. And then I would be so scared because it was so big. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to, you know, get all screwed up. And she's like, here, they're not as like uh, powerful as they look. And um, she was so right, you know, you do it. And then obviously you'd be so scared. And then, you know, you're actually on the wave and you realize, well, I should have paddled more because I lost power. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes in Portugal, for example, you're like, oh, you know, that's a medium sized wave. And then you get it and it screws you over completely because there's mm. just so much 
power in it and you get dragged down and like you know it's like a washing machine underwater yeah that's true or or you know they will they will fold really quickly so there isn't a, a, a lot of time to kind of like catch them and get 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 on it that that would be something i noticed i think in in portugal or maybe it's just a general thing about the, be- the beach breaks is no two waves are the same right because the wind constantly changes and yeah yeah and that's like why it's so important to just like keep practicing because then you start um having a bit more experience and on how to read a wave and like know what you can expect and stuff which is like the hardest part i find yeah definitely if you have a reef break is it are they much more similar you know what to expect way quicker Mm, no i don't think so i i remember when i went to these spots like there was definitely you know, I chose to have an instructor in these spots because I was just like very aware of how different the oceans were and how um, yeah dangerous it is. Just like, even if you might be like a really good surfer, like, you really don't understand where the reef is or where the current, mm. is, you know, how to get to spots. And imagine you, you catch a wave in a reef break and you, you need to know what the quickest way is to paddle back to the break and those are like things you can't really find out by yourself i think yeah Unless you don't have really, enough time really good. yeah exactly mm, fair what, what what about some of your scary experiences surfing have you had any um yeah but for the crocodile that that's that you know that could basically close this topic all by itself but maybe there's more yeah, no, I definitely, I remember also this one time in Sri Lanka and um, like I had been there for almost two weeks and um, yeah, I really felt like it was cool that they were constantly, you know, pushing us to, you know, go higher, like as in like bigger waves and smaller boards and um, I then she, she took me to this point where it's like it was like very very good surfers you know everyone's very experienced and um I was there I was on a shorter board I didn't really feel that comfortable yet and the waves were really big and um I I just got very scared because I didn't feel like I was ready for that point and mm. you know um the the waves kept coming and I just you I would get so scared and then you know you're screwed either way so she was like yeah well you know you're gonna <laughs> completely get white like taken out by this wave so you might as well try and I remember I had a few moments of that and then you're trying and then you completely just like you know full and you you swallow so much water and you're <laughs> like it's just and then I was just so scared and then the surfing wasn't fun anymore yeah and have now, you had any bad wipeouts yeah, I have. I, I definitely have. And um, also once in the Philippines, I had a really bad wipeout. And I remember even thinking, like, I don't even know if I'm going to, like, manage to get up, um, mm-hmm. which is, like, not a really nice feeling to have. And, yeah, for me, always surfing was something to, like, just, like, have fun with. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever be a good surfer because I don't have that, like, uh, will to like push through like very uncomfortable situations where um, like of course I like 
you know, being challenged a little, but I would not actively seek out like, you know, dangerous situations just to like keep progressing and progressing and progressing. Mm. Like, I'd rather just, you know, if I know how to pop up and I like, uh, like a long board and I like mellow waves, then that's so fine for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, climbing up that, uh, that ladder. I think that's really good that you kind of know what works for you and you know how to, you know, how to get it. I think it's, I think it's because otherwise you would be probably, you know, anybody would be on the, on the, on a path to be basically make, make yourself unhappy, which I think a lot of people accidentally do. Right. Cause you think, Oh, if I, let's say I, I, I want this job because it like pays a lot or whatever. Um, but, but oftentimes it won't be actually what you want in life, but you, you just, you know, this, this need to progress all the time. It's, it's, it's a bit of an ego thing. What do you think? Yeah, I, I really agree. And you really get caught up in it. And yeah, it's almost a natural thing for like us not to be satisfied with where we're at. And um yeah, it's really a shame because if you, I remember I would, that, that particular moment in Sri Lanka, like I, I paddled out to the side and I was like literally shaking from fear. And then I was like, <laughs> trying to ground, I was like trying to ground myself. I was like, look around you, you know, there's like crystal blue uh, water and there are white beaches. You're in Sri Lanka, like, you know, just like, you know, appreciate the things and And I realized like, yeah, I can appreciate the things, but like on my terms, like I'm not gonna, you know, just force myself to be. That's very smart. And so I, you know, I went to the beach and I sat down and, you know, the girl, the the instructor came up to me. She's like, yeah, you know, she was like always on that, like pushing kind of thing. Mm. And I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm just not enjoying it. And she's like, well, yeah, that's super cool that you came out because yeah, I'm also here to like, you know, I want you to have fun because surfing is fun. And that's why I have, you know, the surfing um, spot here because um, I want, you know, to share the stoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's very important <laughs> just to keep it real with yourself and your limits. Yeah. And just to get the idea, which countries did surfing take you to? Um, so, um, Indonesia, um, the Philippines, uh, Sri Lanka, and then, um, Malaysia as well, which isn't really like a crazy surf spot or scene, but it was really cool because I had a friend in Singapore and he was really into surfing and stuff and he, um, would always... How convenient. Yeah exactly any chance he had he would take his car and go with his friends and they would drive for like say four hours and they'd be in malaysia and there was like a beach break there and that was really nice too because it was like a much like calmer scene because you know you don't have a lot of surfers there so there's not that much pressure and it's just like a little bit more mm-hmm. easy going mm-hmm yeah wait uh, now that that it made me think about where where were you where you took a ferry to the wrong island or something like that <laughs> do, do you want do you want to do you want to tell that story yeah of course um so yeah it was my uh, friend's birthday and her uh mom 
because yeah, it was the first time she was never at home for her birthday. And her mom was like, yeah, I really want you to still have a nice birthday. So we have these timeshare spots on this little island near Singapore and it belongs to Indonesia. She's like, you know, it would be cool if you could choose two friends and then you spend the weekend there. Like, you know, mom and dad would really want you to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And she told us, and we were like, oh my God, yes, we're so down. Let's take the ferry. Let's go to Indonesia. Let's have a little weekend getaway. Wow. And, um, yeah, it was really exciting. Sounds and amazing. I They went a day before me because I still had classes on the Friday. Mm. And my plan was to just, you know, finish classes and then grab my bag, go to the um, the terminal, take the ferry and go. But first of all, like I finished classes, grabbed my bag and I completely like miscalculated how far uh, the port was from where I was at. Mm-hmm. So um and also for some reason it never crossed my mind that like the same way you don't show up at the airport like two minutes before the flight like you should not show up for your ferry two minutes before the ferry like I don't know why that did not cross my mind but um anyway I had like very little time to actually get there and then um Singapore has like it's kind of like a like a tube system and from one side where I was which is like the last stop to like the old the other like the furthest stop there where the ferry was is like two hours and I was like how how did I not think of this um so I was like I did a bit of it in a tube and then I grabbed an uber and then um we almost like we just just made it and I get there and they're like yeah um (laughs) the ferry's literally about to leave and I was like, can you just ask them to wait? I really need to get on this boat. And they were like, um, and I was like, please. And they were like, okay, we'll call the captain. So they called the captain. <laughs> They're like, there's one passenger here and uh, she wants to know if you can wait for her. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, 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 we wait. So then I had to like do the classic Kira thing where I have to beg everyone to like pass the security. Yeah. And, yeah. So I had to do that. And then in Singapore, <laughs> I had already like registered uh, a finger scan. So like that was like my way of like identifying myself. But because I was so nervous and stuff, my fingers were super sweaty and like it kept failing. And so I ended up with this officer and like it was already seen because I had to beg everyone to pass them. And then there's like the little captain. He's like, where's the passenger? Where's the passenger? And I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> there um and then I get out and he's like where's your husband and I'm like he's on the <laughs> island <laughs> just get me to the island yeah we get you to your husband I was like yeah <laughs> so, um anyway I get into the boat and like first of all I'm like literally the only female in this boat and I'm just like oh, okay that's strange um and it was like one of those really like run down ferries but at the time I was like not even questioning it I was just like whatever I got on the boat I'm gonna see my friends soon it's gonna be fine and we're in the boat and it starts raining like crazy and I'm like okay it's fine I'm in the boat it's cool um then we had like two three hours to go and uh yeah we get there and I'm like oh finally you know and I look and I'm like well, that's not what I was expecting and it's just like 
tiny, tiny little fisherman village. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? So I get out the boat and like everyone in his village is looking at me. And like, there's like, no one spoke any English. It was just like, oh my God, where am I? It's like pouring rain. There were no taxis. There was no one to talk to. And wow. um, I was just like, oh my God, this is so strange. So um, this one guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, you look very lost. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, he speaks English. And I was like, yes, I am indeed very lost. I was like, you know, I need to get here. And I just see his face kind of like smirk, but also like very like, you poor child kind of expression. Right. And, and he, I was like, what? He's like, yeah, that's like the other side of the island. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you're in the port. And I'm like, what? And uh, he's like, yeah. Um, and I was like, well, how do I get there? And he's like, yeah, seven hours. I was like, seven hours. Uh, I was like, can I not, you know, get back on the boat? And the boat was already leaving again. He's like, no, that's going to go back to Singapore. I was like, well, how, you know, very naive again. I was like, well, you know, is there any buses or stuff I can take? And they're like, no, this is like a little tiny Indonesian island or no buses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? And um, then I was just like, okay, I just need to sort this out. And meanwhile, I have like a whole crowd around me, like really mm-hmm. like watching like what's going on. Oh, wow. I, I like call my <laughs> and I'm like, hey guys, um, yeah there's a bit of an issue they're like what i was like yeah i'm apparently not at the port you guys you know got off at they're like where are you and then i told them and i checked on the map and it was like literally six hours away and you know there's no taxis or anything like that and they're like oh my god what can we do and then yeah my phone also start like cutting a little portuguese phone and it wasn't working properly and i was just like oh my god Um, it's spiraling down literally um, <laughs> then I start talking with this guy I think he really started to feel for me and you know even though I was like very stressed um I was still making a conversation with this guy where it's like yeah yeah I'm from the Netherlands he's like you're here by yourself I'm like yeah I'm studying here I'm just you know I've got my friends on the other side and I don't really want to know what I'm gonna do and yeah then at one point he's like hey listen I'm, I think I'm gonna you know try and help you and I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I, I can organize a car and um, we'll try. Well, I'll drive with you there. And um, I was so desperate that I was just like, you know, I, I fully I was like, yeah, fine. You know, I didn't even question, like, what is it going to be like with like a strange man for six hours in a car going through the jungle? Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> so desperate. And I was like. Yeah, money-wise, I literally only have 50 Singapore dollars. Like, I'm a student. Like, I really don't have more. And um, he's like, yeah, okay, okay, it's okay. So then he's like, okay, just wait here. So I was waiting in the rain, and then I was like, okay, this guy completely ditched me. Um, And then he comes back, and he's like, come, come, come. So I'm like, all right. So we're just, like, running in the rain through this little village. And Mm -hmm. eventually there's a car, and I just get in the car. And we start driving. And we drove for six hours through, like, literal, like, jungle, jungle with, like, mountains. And it was so dark. And it was so insane. But, like, throughout the whole journey, I started, like, talking to this guy. And 
he told me so much about Indonesia and mm -hmm. it was so cool he told me about his family the political situation the food the different islands there was just so much he was you know telling me about and I was really driving through the real part of the island because eventually when I got to the part where my friends were at it was like one of those like typical tourist you know resort destinations and nothing there would make you think like you're on the on the different side of the world like everything mm. was the exact same where you know what it could be in Portugal or whatever yeah and, um yeah then I find Bobby that was his name and you know <laughs> he was so sweet he was uh he was like yeah you seem like someone who gets in trouble a lot so <laughs> <laughs> he said that yeah. Like, if you ever need help, just call Bobby in uh, in Indonesia. And um, yeah, it's been it was so it was like a really cool experience in the end. Um but Love yeah, it, yeah, it was crazy because you know, when you're so desperate, you will literally just get into a car with anyone. And I think also like I really listened to my intuition where I just felt like this was a really, you know, solid person and everything turned out to be okay <laughs> yeah no I remember you told me the story the first time I was just terrified but you know one thing that I find really interesting is something that you've mentioned when you were telling the story is how how different the islands are can you do you remember anything from what he, he told you because that, that sounds you know there's so many islands in Indonesia yeah. I would imagine that Mm -hmm. so um the first thing is they all speak different languages so um whenever they meet it's like they tend to communicate in english or um the main language which i think is like the, the one they speak in Jakarta. um but even that it's like harder for them i think most might because a lot of them work in tourism so maybe english is easier for them um, so they have a hard time communicating with each other and um, yeah plus they live quite far away from each other and they don't really visit each other so it's really like when they meet it's so yeah I, I don't know the way he described it is just like a bit of a barrier between them and uh, I remember he was mentioning he's like have you been to Indonesia before he's like yeah yeah I've been to Bali and he's like huh, that's not Indonesia he's like mm. have you been to Indonesia I was like no I guess I haven't then <laughs> 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 there's definitely like within Indonesia people feel like Bali has completely been taken over by foreigners which unfortunately is a bit true but, mm. was that your impression as well yeah, so the first time I went there was, I think, in 2016 or 17 with, uh, with a friend. And um, at that point, I think it was already starting to get, like, you know, Instagram traveling started to become a bit more of a thing. And Bali, like, catered to everything, you know, the hotels, the pools, the, the food, and the Instagram photos, which is, like, constantly popping up of Bali. And before going in there um I had never really heard of it which is mm -hmm. crazy because this trip I took with my friend we decided one day before going that we were just going to fly to Singapore and so it was like a very very spontaneous trip and then we were in Singapore and we we're like okay well it's been four days 
we've seen pretty much at the time what we thought everything and we're like what should we do and we start looking well what flights are available for tomorrow morning and Bali was one and we were like well it's like none of my family members have ever been to Indonesia and I was like well my family members uh, especially my grandmother she was in love with Indonesia um, and there's also like some family connection like some bloodlines that tie to Indonesia so I was like well you know let's just go mm-hmm. um, and we got there and it was so beautiful and yeah I really felt like it had so much like character to um, the island and then um, when I went again which was only like two years later I went by myself and yeah it was completely different and really yeah I, I think in the two years there was already a massive difference in like how many people were going to Bali and also what kind of people were going mm-hmm. because you know the more flights there are the cheaper they are so more people have a chance to go to Bali mm-hmm. and more ho- hotels were being built so there was like a huge influx of people and um I remember also when I, you know, spoke to the local people the first time and then the second time, mm-hmm. there was a huge difference in their approach towards like a foreigner. Mm-hmm. The first time it was very like they wanted to talk to you and they wanted to, you know, learn from you. And um, it was it was a very different experience. And the second time you were just wanted to take photos with you because you were white. more like you know we we have uh, you know accepted the fact that our island is kind of kind of being taken over by tourism so you are literally just a source of income and it was really hard to like get anyone to like talk to you or open up to you and I remember um I had like uh there the uber was you could sit on top like on the back of a scooter Mm-hmm. and that would be like your uber to get through to places and i remember this one time this guy uh picked me up and we were just talking a bit and you know i told him that i was studying and then he was so like in awe of that and you know he's like uh oh i wish you know i could do that uh, i wish i was smart enough and you know he wanted to be a lawyer and he wanted to study english and he had to um you know, work as a grab, like an Uber driver. Yeah. The option he had. And in his head, it was because he wasn't smart enough. Like he mm. looked at me and he's like, you know, you've got it all figured out. You're smart. And then I remember like talking. And Kira, and in your head, you were like, no, I don't. <laughs> Not at all. I was like, if you only knew how like lost I am. But um, <laughs> I remember telling him, I was like, you know what? Literally, unfortunately, we were born in very different sides of the world. And, you know, if you were born where I was born, you would be a lawyer and you'd be speaking, you know, English. And yeah. if I was born where you were born, I would probably, you know, be making bread or, you know, selling what was available to me there. And, and um yeah, I remember, you know, for him to, like, understand that and for me to understand that. It's such a, like, reality check. Um, it, yeah. It might sound like a silly question, but do they eat white bread there? What what kind of bread do they eat? Do they even have bread? No, not really. So it's a very shitty analogy to me. 
<laughs> no, but uh, the, the reason why I asked this question is because I was actually really, really curious if what, no. what do they eat sandwiches there? What, what, what kind of snacks do they have? They have like, um, they have, uh, they eat food. Yeah. They, they don't really have bread. And um, yeah, I think the closest they would have would be, I don't even know. I remember in Sri Lanka, I ate like doughy kind of sweet things. Mm-hmm. Just the closest thing to bread. But in Indonesia, I don't really remember um, Yeah, having bread. But like, yeah, the point was just like, I would be, you know, making something to sell as well. Yeah. Like focusing on university. Yeah, humans are the same, right? It's just, it's usually the the differences in opportunities you've got rather than your talents most of the time, right? Exactly. And then I remember we decided to exchange numbers because I was like, hey, if you want to learn English, you know, I can try and help you a little with that. And then we, we, I was like, okay, let's make a deal. Like every week you send me a little uh, message about your week in English, and then I'll try and like improve it. Oh, that's heartwarming. <laughs> but this guy was so good at English. Like he was like, his messages were better than my English. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Can you can you you know proofread my essay? <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah, I, I think I still have the messages here. I might have a look, I'll show you later. But yeah, those are yeah, okay. like the, the cool experience I find when you travel is like when you can um, have these like interactions with people that are open for it. And unfortunately, when you know the tourism takes over so much. They don't feel as open to like talk to you about hmm. Which, yeah what about i because i also remember there was this really good story about this father and son where what was it in sri lanka yeah 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 that was um yeah <laughs> so here i um had literally just landed in sri lanka and um uh, I had a bit of a fever and I really wasn't feeling well. And I remember I had to go from the capital city to like my first stop, which was in Kandy, which is a different city. And I managed to take the train, which was such an adventure in itself. And I remember getting out of this train station, finally in Kandy. I was just like, okay, I just need to get to the hostel. And I, excuse me, I need a moment for myself because I'm really not feeling that great. And um, I was feeling a little overwhelmed because I was all by myself in a country, wasn't feeling like a very, very different country. And I wasn't feeling too well. And um, then I was just like, you know, I'm just going to walk a bit because I've been stuck in a train. And as I get out the station, I'm just like completely harassed by like a group of like, you know, men and taxi drivers and tuk-tuk drivers and they're all screaming at me and you know like really like I was trying to stay calm I was like you know listen I I really I just want to walk it's fine I just want to walk and um this one guy just like kept following me and I was just like just stay calm you know like what you're just going to keep walking it's going to be fine and um he's just like hey uh where are you from and I was like, well, I'm from the Netherlands. And uh, he's like, oh, 
um, what are you doing? I was like, yeah, I'm going to walk to my hostel. It's like, well, you know, I've got a tuk-tuk. Do you want a tuk-tuk ride? I was like, no, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to walk. I'm very okay. And um, he's like, you know, I can, I can see you're uncomfortable in your eyes. Um, but I really just like, you know, I, I just want to talk to you for a bit. And uh, uh, he said, like, I really, f- like, I felt when you got off that train and then I saw you in the crowd and I was like, oh my God, where's this going? Right. And, and I was just like, oh, really? <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, sounds like he, someone who wants to sell your liver in a third world country would say. Completely. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, and then he's like, well, um, are you here alone? Uh, and I was like, yeah. And he's like, wrong answer. Say that, you know, your boyfriend or your husband is in the hotel. And I was like, okay it's like yeah just for you to know um never say you're alone i was like okay okay um wow yeah so listen there is something dark about it just by the way right yeah which yeah it's really it's also something that really pushed me to you know travel by myself regardless of all of that because i was just like so wrong uh i want to prove a point that is very possible Mm -hmm. but anyway then he He's like, okay, um, I've got like a lot of Dutch letters in my um, in my tuk-tuk and they were written by a friend of mine and um, I haven't been able to read them because they're in Dutch and I was wondering if you could help me. And um, I look at him and he's like, yeah, you know, if only if you're comfortable with it. And, you know, I, I, I did feel like a little com- more comfortable. Um, and then he was like, yeah, um, just yeah just come and I followed him to his tuk-tuk and he brings out like this massive thing with all these letters and I'm just sitting there and um, for the first time that day I took like a a breather where I was just like okay I'm just gonna sit and read these letters like you know I'm not in a rush to get anywhere so I read the letters and um, there were like a few from different people and they're all along the lines like never have I met someone like um him he showed me what you know value is and um his kindness was all i needed and he he showed me his country and wanted nothing in return he just wanted to you know make a connection with me and it was all like people who had been through some some sort of thing from a different country that ran into the sky Mm -hmm. and shared an incredible experience they're like you know if you're reading this and you just met him, please trust your intuition. He's a good person and all of that. And I was just like, what's going on? Wow, then, what the heck? Yeah, and then he he looks at me and I just, you know, try and translate it a bit. And he had this like very genuine smile, very calm smile on his face. And he was like, listen, um, I really feel like your energy. He was like, yeah, I feel like you have good karma and i'm very attracted to that and i want to show you um my country i would like to introduce you to my family i would like to show you you know all the spots and he was like and yeah it would be nice to you know share like each other's company and uh i mean at the point at that time it was like very overwhelming because yeah i i just felt like it was a lot and it was like one of the coolest compliments ever to say, you know, you have nice energy. 
um yeah it's like so beyond like you know what you're used to it's like oh you know you have a good university going on you've got like I don't know a good job or you you've got nice like looks or whatever and this is so apart from all of that true um, um yeah I remember then he was like okay um I'll you know I'll drive you to your hostel for free because yeah I really just want to get to know you like okay <laughs> and then yeah from then on um he had to go somewhere so his brother came and then I spent time with his brother and then uh his brother had to go to a doctor at some point and I spent time with his brother's son which was my age and um yeah I just got to know the whole family <laughs> that is so un you know for for a westerner it's yeah. just so mind-boggling right yeah completely and like it's it was also so hard to like you know let people know like my family know what I was doing because if I were to tell like my dad for example that I am hanging out with an older man all day yeah. <laughs> to my energy he would tell me you know come home with me <laughs> <laughs> really hard to like share these experiences with people where like either people don't believe in karma they don't believe in energy or they're just like you're insane what are you doing um and it definitely but, yeah no sorry but he got you where you're he he, he got you where you're soft so to say because you're into into all the spirituality right yeah yeah for sure and so he I connected think- well yeah exactly even more so after that moment <laughs> right but what 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 how, how did you get into the the whole spirituality thing what 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 kind, because spirituality is such a big topic right so what kind of what what aspect of spirituality are you interested in well I just like always felt like I was like extremely sensitive to other people's emotions right I always mm-hmm. I always feel very drained when I'm around someone who is like actively trying to like, I don't know, make someone else feel bad or like, you know, is projecting like not so nice energy around them because they're themselves not feeling that good. And I then really started to like, I would feel sick sometimes. I really just like, it would really like uh, touch me. And Mm -hmm. that's when I started to realize, okay, I feel very, um, yeah I'm very sensitive with these kind of things and then also with my travels I started realizing that you can feel so at ease with a complete stranger from you know there's nothing you guys have in common because you know here when you meet someone and you have a click there is a lot in common because you probably grew up in a similar way you have similar interests or whatever and then uh, sometimes when you meet someone where you, you probably can't even like uh, communicate in a language and you still feel that connection like that really made me think of you know mm-hmm. there's something else there there's energy and um, having people from different corners in the world talk about you know the ability of good energy and bad energy and yeah that really got me into all of that have you ever, and during any of your travels, had any of the local, you know, kind of spirituality, um, I don't know, culture? Have you had any exposure to that? Do you know what it's like? How is it different from other places? Um, yeah, so I remember in the Philippines, for example, um, 
there was like a wide you know belief in uh black magic and like mm -hmm. spirits and stuff and um you know what we would refer to ghost stories there is just kind of like you know like a like a norm it's like you know you've got the good and you've got the bad and the bad is just as real as all the good um and yeah they definitely told me you know places in the island where you should not go and you feel the chills and people's experiences there and um yeah just they're they're probably we would say superstitious but there it's you know they take it very seriously and it's something you don't really mess with and yeah they also then counter that and they have a lot of like good energies there as well where you know everyone is like extremely positive and they're constantly like working on creating all this good energy um, how do they how do they create the, the good energy and what were the places with the bad energy how, how did they how could they tell so um, for example my surf guy he um he had lost his wife and i think his child as well and um very sad story and he lived by himself and yeah he really he, he was very poor and he i don't think he even had that much money for food and stuff and every single day when i saw him he had the biggest smile on his face and I remember he was always telling me, like, don't worry so much. You know, life is not that complicated. You know, just just be positive. Just, like, look how, how the sun is shining. Look where we are. Look look at the ocean. Look, you're feeling, you're healthy, you're good. And then he would always do his little dance. And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's positive energy, you know, putting it out there and, um there it was also like a very communal kind of living where you could be walking on the street and they would literally be like hey there's a party tonight do you want to come I'm mm -hmm. like, you are but yes yeah, sure i'll come <laughs> you're invited to the birthday party with like 30 different strangers and you know they're like here have some food have this have drinks have that and like then that like energy gets like multiplied and shared and passed on and mm. yeah that's how they do that and then love that like, yeah it's really nice and you really feel it and um yeah you don't need a language to communicate any of that which again confirms mm. my belief in it <laughs> yeah what about the what about the the bad energy spots are literally yeah. you're referring to physical places on the island yeah, I never went because I'm very afraid of those kind of things. And um, I remember one of my friends, he had um, gone to a spot and he's like, yeah, I honestly constantly felt like I was being watched. And through my surf friend, I knew exactly what part of the island it was. And he was, I was like, did you by any chance go you know, here? And he's like, yeah, that's exactly where I was. And I was like, well, you felt washed she's like yeah I constantly felt like I was being followed or something and then he, wow he had this thing where he said that he at one point just got like goosebumps all over his body and he didn't know why and that he felt so sick he had to leave and he did not know about the story beforehand so that's why I think like thing with energy like you know it really does 
make you feel a certain way. Have I have I ever told you about my ghost experiences? No. <laughs> have, have I ever have I ever never met? But if uh, if you're a bit if you're scared because it's it's not a scary experience, but it's also it's not necessarily positive. So um, you know, I'm kind of like giving you, let's say, a a a spoiler alert. So if if you know yeah, if you're scared of bad bad energy, then maybe I shouldn't you know shouldn't share it with you necessarily. But if 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 you're up for it, I, I, I'm I'm gonna yeah, go ahead. Like, yeah, I am scared, um, and I definitely do like you know have my little trips about these kind of things yeah but i think also it could be good for you to share if you don't usually talk about it no no i love talking about it <laughs> yeah. yeah no because it, like it, all in all it's good like um so the house that my parents live in now is they bought it from this guy who's who was this house was almost finished when they bought it from this guy and he was meant to move this guy was meant to move there with his family but his son was a a gym a gym head right he would go to the gym a lot and he was doing steroids or something and it's a really sad story he just he just died in sleep his 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 heart stopped working or something like that and one night when we when we already moved in i was i was sleeping and obviously i'm never really scared of you know anything but i woke up in the middle of the night and i was like i was i knew that like there is something in my room and that i'm like terrified you know like i just woke up with like those two things knowing them straight away so it's all it was almost like some like a different subconscious part of my brain was working before my conscious part of the brain kicked in and I woke up and I let you know I I was in my bed for a few seconds and then I kind of realized that it's okay it was kind of along the lines oh you're a good person everything is gonna be okay no 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 need to be afraid and then I was like okay fine and then I just turned to the other side of my bed and I fell asleep um Yeah, and, and it never happened ever after. Never, never happened ever after. Yeah, because you probably did not feed into it. Yeah. Because obviously if you stayed awake and, you know, every night you thought of that, it obviously opens up the opportunity for these things to happen. Mm, do you think that's how it works? I mean, that's always what I told myself. <laughs> mm. Fair. No, but it was really interesting that I had like this strong, profound thought that you're a good person. Nothing is going to happen to you. And that was it. You know, it's like it's almost like it tested the waters and it like just left straight away. It was weird. That's so cool. Like that's yeah. And if you want one more story once. um, So my grandma's uh a guy who she was dating basically at the time he had a son and the son of his also died in sleep on on no explanation why he just never one one night he never woke up in the morning and i slept in the room in which his furniture was you know the furniture that was in his room at the time and i stayed at my grandma for like a week or so and every night when i was going asleep i was just terrified terrified 
terrified. I couldn't fall asleep for hours. I was this scared, you know, and it's probably like a vicious cycle at, at some point, especially if you're a kid. Um, but I, I remember it, like you would feel this weird, weird presence. And apparently somebody else from his family, this, this dude's family, his daughter or someone, her, her, she had, she told him that he, this, this, that the, the, the spirit of the son came to her and told her to tell the dad to let go of his mourning because he cannot, you know, just move on, that, that he should move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah, yeah crazy. I think like when you start talking about these things more openly to different people, you realize like how many people have had experiences in one way or another. And yeah, once again, open up that conversation is really hard to like ignore the fact that it exists. <laughs> that it's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm personally really curious about all those all those you know, those uh, I think uh, superstitions well it's not it's not only that it's it's part of a culture there really right you know yeah. believing this black like magic and medicine blended all together and stuff like that it's also an interesting window into the past right because yeah. that's how that's how it was in in you know everywhere back in the day that's so true until it kind of got like cancelled out yeah exactly well i think this was a this was a really you know interesting conversation i i learned so much and i loved you know i loved it it was such a good fun so i i think we should we should just call it a day because we talked for i think over an hour so i'm oh just gonna God. you know yeah <laughs> thank you so much for thank you so much for coming up and if you ever want to do it again i'm more than happy yeah if i have more uh, adventures hopefully I'm exactly <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.